right, folks, welcome back to another episode of your favorite paranormal podcast on the planet. I guess I can't really or shouldn't really say that when we're having other paranormal shows uh, visiting our show, doing some visitation on the mostly ghostly planet. We got our, our boy from Black Lotus, you know what I mean? We got Damien coming on in to say hi uh, for anybody out there that, you know, uh, I think a couple of weeks, like two weeks ago, I think we dropped uh, around Halloween, we dropped a highlight episode of our interview we did for uh, Black Lotus. And, um, you know, it was a lot of fun and we thought it's only right to bring him on our show and, let them get the mostly ghostly vibe to the full effect. And uh, that's what we're uh, planning to do today, folks. So without any further ado, please welcome to the show, Damien from Black Lotus. Mostly ghostly, Black Lotus Media Productions, crossing paths in the storm. We got Damien Gray with us. Killing it. How you doing over there, Damien? Doing great. How you doing? We're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. You got, of course, you remember Ray. We were on, uh, we were on your show a couple of weeks back. I think it was maybe a month mm-hmm. back. I lose time. Mm-hmm. I lose track of time so easily. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know how it goes. <laughs> yeah. But great, you guys got a great show over there. We had a lot of fun. Uh, you guys banging out episodes all the time. I see it, which is really cool. Uh, you know, we usually like to start off getting right into the nitty-gritty of the paranormal deeds. And uh, there's usually an occurrence in everyone's life, I feel, when they make that jump from being somebody that either doesn't believe or doesn't know if they should believe or what. Uh, something happens where they kind of it opens up their, their mind to uh, the, the, you know, the realities of this stuff. Do you, do you have like a certain point in your life where things kind of clicked? Well, I always like the saying that you're a skeptic until you're not, mm. you know, something will happen eventually to you. And uh, yeah, but um, I always say Ralph and I are like paranormal magnets. We've had stuff happen to us all of our lives. Um, so, I mean, the only thing we haven't experienced is we haven't experienced cryptids. We haven't seen Bigfoot or uh any late monsters or anything like that, you know, but aside from that, we've had many, many ghost encounters, um, and, uh, uh, UFO encounters. Um, uh, I'm an alien abductee and that happened back in 1988. I didn't remember until 1995. Um, uh, but yeah. Um, so we've always been had these things drawn to us, you know, I don't think we were really drawn to them, to it, but, uh, but yeah, we've, always had these things drawn to us. When did you, uh, when did you and Ralph kind of come together? You guys known each other your whole lives? Did you guys link up later? Pretty much. I think I was what, 17 when I met him was probably 20 maybe. And, uh, yeah. And yeah, we've been friends pretty much ever since. Yeah. And, you know, now we're in our fifties. So, (laughs) 50s is the new 40s, I hear. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good in the hood. So uh, that's cool. So you guys started off young. And, um, you know, did you get to, and your, was your house haunted as a kid? I, I, there's often a lot of that going on where there's a little something, something not right in the home and they go, oh, well, that's something. I think that that, that could be a ghost. That could be something that is not your normal run of the mill stuff. Well, yeah. Uh, 
um, this is something that happened with Ralph, uh, actually. Uh, uh, but let me go back further. About a year, two years before, I had a girlfriend, uh, and her name was Teresa, and she was at the house, and we were walk, going to walk out, and I was taking the trash out, and there's the, a little uh, side hallway to go out the back door at the house, and I turned to go out the back door and Teresa continued on into the living room and she jumped back against the wall and she goes, Oh my God. I'm like, what's up? And she says, and she was pointing at, at the chair we had in the house. And it was one of the, those old seventies chairs, you know, the big gold throne things, the velvet <laughs> things. And anyway, she was pointing at that and I looked, there's nothing there. And I said, what do you see? And she says, you can't see that? The guy that's sitting there. And I'm like, no. And she said that there was a guy who was dressed in a tuxedo. And he had dark hair slicked back. And he was slumped over in the chair sideways. And there was blood pouring from his temple. Wow. And I'm like, uh, okay, that's weird. I don't know why I can't see it. Yeah. <clears throat> well, flash forward a couple of years later, and Ralph is over at the house. And I was basically doing the same thing. And he walked into the living room, and he went, oh, my God. And he jumped back against the wall. And I said, what's up? What do you see? And he started to describe it. And I'm like, let's get the hell out of here. I don't feel comfortable with this. <laughs> so we, we left immediately. And I, I said, let's go somewhere where we can talk. And uh, so we ended up going down to uh, a, a local grocery store parking lot. And I said, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm okay now. Let's talk. And I said, what did you see there? And he said, there was a guy in a tuxedo. And I stopped him and I went, oh, my God. I said, what did he look like? He said he had black slick back hair and he had, he was sitting upright with his legs crossed, smiling at Ralph, but there was still blood coming from his temple. And I thought, wow, that is really weird. And, you know, Ralph and Teresa didn't know each other. So I don't know how that, yeah. I mean, I I don't have any explanation for that really other than it was a ghost. That is quite a visual. Like I'm putting while you're saying that, I'm putting this visual together in my head, and you know it's bad enough. Like that in the chair, like the for her account where he's just in the chair chilling, um, is scary enough. But then you have him smiling. Whenever you add a smile to anything, it always <laughs> adds the super duper creep factor to it. Now. Yeah. I assume, unfortunately, he probably sounds like somebody who like took his own life or something like that. That's kind of the vibe I catch, maybe. Maybe. You know maybe. what I mean? I don't know. Or I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I never looked into the history of the house, so I don't really know. But, uh, really? you know, it wasn't an old house. But, you know, in that area, there could have been another house there at one time. I don't know. Why do you think there's so much tuxedos and suits and stuff on Paranormal? Do you think it's because people want to present their best to them and, you know, kind of the back of the dress up nice for a big occasion type deal? What do you think? Because I do hear a lot of suits and stuff and tuxedos. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of like asking, why is it always a woman in white? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It's very interesting. 
I think it, uh, in one sense, you were kind of lucky to be there when, on separate occasions, when two people witnessed the same thing. Because mm-hmm. that is a very strong confirmation that there's something there. Right. I know, right. I know a lot of people that have seen things. They say it in confidence to me because they think that the whole world is going to think they're crazy or they have self doubt. But yeah. when you, when you run into what, what you've run into, then it's kind of like, Oh yeah, it's not my imagination. There's two other people here. They're corroborate. Uh, they're, they're confirming it on two different occasions, separate, don't know each other. This is real. And that's, that's a rare thing for a lot of people because it kind of cements it to open them up to something else. Right. You know, and there were other things that happened there. I mean, like knocking on the walls and that kind of thing. But I never witnessed anything. But I would hear like the knocking on the walls and that kind of stuff. But I mean, aside from that, I mean, nothing really scary happened at that house. But uh, but there was something definitely there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, that reoccurring, you know, them seeing, like Ray was saying, them seeing the same exact thing is, uh, like you said, it's... it's there's really certain times in the paranormal like you can't really deny. There's certain times you go, oh, well, it could have been this, it could have been that. But when you have two different people telling a story, it's very difficult to kind of naysay that. You know, I had a, uh, I had a little, I had an occurrence with, uh, we were coming in, a gentleman I, we do films with, we're coming back from a shoot and um, we were driving down the road and it was, uh, it was very, it was dark and uh, we drove by. There was this this school, and we drove by it, and we looked out, and I seen a dude, and he was wearing a top hat, a long black like tuxedo coat, and he looked like he was like fifteen feet off the like fifteen feet tall, and he had like his hand out like he was waving, and I remember going, "Whoa!" Like I got so creeped out by that, I rolled up my window and I turned to my buddy. And he was scared too. And I go, "What did you, did you just see something?" And he goes, "Yeah." And I go, "What did you see?" And he said, "I see the dude in the top hat and the tuxedo waving to us." And he said, "The only thing that was different from the stories is he said that he was floating fifteen feet off the ground, where I I seen him as being fifteen feet tall, which mm-hmm. could be, you know, an, an obvious like a mis- easy mistake." Um, but yeah, it's crazy when that stuff and it's those moments when, because like growing up, you're always like, oh, you, you watch the shows, listen to the stories, read the books, and you're like, oh, get the chills when you hear it. But like when you witness it firsthand, it's a whole different world. You know what I mean? Yeah. It almost sounds like you had an encounter with the hat man. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Hmm. It was, uh, now we did, Ray, we did a show on the hat man a while back. Now, the hat, they kind of consider the hat man to be almost like a shadow, like a shadow people type figure, like a branch of the shadow people. Um, I, th- I think I think he's different, actually, entirely. Yeah. Um, I, I, they sometimes come hand in hand, but I think shadow people are something entirely different. He wasn't. <clears throat> I Unless he was trying to scare us, I didn't take him for a negative energy like. Usually, you know, like when you're around something bad, you can get that vibe. Mm-hmm. I didn't really catch the vibe of it being like an evil presence. It almost it was more, it was more like friendly, like waving to say hi. But the, what it was was what made you creeped out. You know what I mean? It wasn't like the actual. It didn't have the, the red eyes or anything that made me feel scared. It was just like the whoa factor of it is what really got to me. Mm-hmm. 
We uh, had both the hat man and uh, sh- a shadow person here at the house where we currently live. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Frog in my throat. <laughs> um, and when we first moved here, my wife and I, when we first moved here, uh, <clears throat> her daughter was living with us and we brought over her then boyfriend uh, for dinner. And he brought his, I think she was like maybe five years old, his daughter. And where our dining room is, you can see the front door. And she was sitting at the, at the dining room table and she kept looking at the front door. And I said, sweetheart, what do you see over there? She said, there's a guy standing over there. I said, Oh, really? You know, I looked, there wasn't anything there. I, I said, what does he look like? And she said, he's got a hat on and he's got like a suit on and he's just standing there smiling at me. And I thought, Uh Oh, I said, well, do me a favor and close your eyes just for a moment and then reopen them and tell me if he's still there. And so she did. And she said, no, he's gone. So that was the only incident where there was some sort of an encounter with the hat man. And I'm of the belief that kids are more apt to see this thing than anybody else. Hmm. Um, I think their mind is more open in order to see spirits. You know, I think that's something we lose as we become adults. Yeah. Um, but then, a little bit brighter too. Yeah. Yeah. But then later on, a couple of years later, Ralph moved in with us and Ralph was living in Maine at the time and he was going through a bad situation. So we said, Hey, uh, come out here to Vegas. So he did. <clears throat> and shortly after he got here, we started seeing this dark entity in our hallway and our hallway was right off of the living room. And we would just be sitting there watching television and out of the corner of our eyes, we would see this large dark entity. And when I say large, I mean, it was like about seven, eight feet tall and very broad shoulders, you know, and a very bulbous head. And, but you'd only see it for a split second and then it would be gone. And yeah, I mean, so I have a friend of mine who is a uh, uh, spiritual medium, and she did a reading on this. And she told me, she said, the, the thing thinks that you're its warden, that you're keeping it there. And I'm like, how is that? I'm not keeping it here. I don't even want it here. And she said, well, that's the way it feels. So the next time you see this thing, send it love and light. And tell it in no circumstances that I don't know why you feel that I'm keeping you here, but I'm not. Feel free to leave whenever you want. And, uh, and so I did. And we haven't seen this thing in about two years now. Look, so, what, the, you know, look what the Ralph dragged in. Yeah. That's what that <laughs> we, sounds like. We kind of wonder because, yeah. like I said, he was going through a bad situation in Maine yeah. at the time. And um, it's said that they, these shadow people are attracted to ne- negative energy. And so I think that that's what did it. I really do. I really I think so, too, cause to go with all that. And then the whole warden aspect, you got to figure if it was an attachment to Ralph, you brought Ralph to you. Ralph was now with you. It would almost have that warden type feel for that attachment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, that's. Well, I'm glad that it's over. 
I'm glad that it ain't around no more, but I definitely think Ralph brought something with him. I, no, no beef with Ralph, <laughs> but <laughs> but that's what it sounds like. And yeah, when it, you know, we hear a lot about that bad situations at home or whatever, like uh, you know, rocky relationships and things kind of can kind of get uh, you know uh, created or whatever or, or latch on, and then it's very difficult to get you know get rid of them. And that's exactly that's like exactly what that sounds like. Yeah, yeah. He also brought with him a cat. Because yeah. <laughs> we had never had any experiences with a, like a, a ghost cat before until after he showed up. And we have had no bad experiences with this cat. It's actually pretty friendly. Yeah. But he it likes to hang out in the studio here um, and like rub up against your leg. And I mean, I'll walk by the studio and it's dark in there and uh, uh, I'll see it sitting on the desk where the computer is and just looking at me at me and, it, and it's black and it has these very green, bright green eyes. And then I'll turn the light on and poof, I've seen it just disappear. It's very weird, but it'll jump up on the bed with us. And even, even our cat sees it, our real cat. And uh, she'll tear off down the hallway and I'll look at her and she's batting at the air. Like she's playing with another cat. So I figure, well, if we're not around, at least the cat will never be lonely. <laughs> you know? There you have it. There you have it. I heard somebody told me once that they used to have a cat, and when it passed, that 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 very leg petting thing they do, where they rub up against you, they'd feel that from time to time, and uh, they thought that it was the cat. You know, they'd, they'd forget that the cat wasn't there anymore. Type deal. It was kind of, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's very strange, and it really is. But. Um, Anyway. That that gentleman with the blood coming out of his forehead still sticks in my head. Uh, what a crazy visual! And it's you know, we, me and Rave on the show show have talked before about just the different way that they present themselves. You know, you can see them younger. You can see them, you know, the best time of their life when they're happy. You know, maybe in a wedding dress, like maybe that's where these white dresses come from. Or you could see, you know, there's situations where you see them mutilated like if they died in a car accident or something like they'll they'll show you show themselves in like a way that is ta- will take ta- you know kind of spooky a little bit for lack of a better word um do you have any idea why you think it would be th- why they would want to present themselves differently to different people yeah i have no idea um yeah i i i really don't know i i wouldn't even dare to speculate yeah. you know and I wonder if they could, if it was like, you know, in the whole reoccurring thing where it's a lot of people see the same thing, if an entity was able to go back and forth between the way that it showed itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Like I said, I, I never did any uh, research on the history of the house. The house was yeah. new, to, was new, but the property is old. And I wonder if there was another house there. Uh, uh, at first, and you know, I mean, it's, it, it, it was, it was in kind of a, uh, uh, it was in Southern California. It was, uh, uh, there were a lot of orange groves around us. So I know that there were a lot of like, uh, uh, rich farmers out there. So, I mean, the way he was dressed, it could have been that he was just shot on property. He could have taken his life. I don't know. Um, but I mean, I, I got the, feeling that, you know, he was in a tuxedo. He was part of a, a party or something or other. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. 
Well, maybe he's a, he, he did the old uh, take the bullet out of the gun, pretend to shoot yourself and forget that there's one in the chamber trick or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> it could be anything. Uh, but, yeah, that stuff's always interesting to me when they, when they come, when it's kind of a gory, when it's kind of like a scary deal. And the smile thing is, Ray Bootman, what do you think about the smile? You think that the that do you think that there's almost an evil presence to that trying to scare him, or do you think that that's actually somebody that maybe died there? Why do you what do you think there's a, a possibility that it's not even a like that it's a demon or something, like a real negative energy as opposed to somebody who passed and was still there? I think when it presents on its own and it's gruesome, and particularly when it smiles, you're talking about a, a negative energy something that's negative energy or, or remains of a person or someone manifesting that to me, that has a de- definite negative aspect to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, that's a crazy visual. I always like those visuals. They get to me. They're like, Oh, that, that, that visual belongs in the shining in Stanley Kubrick's the shining somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, now, I know you said you never dealt with any crypto stuff. Uh, no. It, it, but you've, if you, is there any that you kind of are more interested in than any of the other ones? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, in fact, we just did a show on Black Lotus about this uh, with um, uh, our resident biologist, Wild Trees. And he's, he's a big believer in cryptids. And I am, but I'm not. Um, I, 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 I I don't think I believe in like the lake monsters, like the Loch Ness monster and Champ from Champlain and that kind of thing. I mean, I think that they are things that are just misidentified for the most part. Um, if we could get a close up shot, in fact, I just saw a video re- that was just recently released of <clears throat> Loch Ness, and there was a wake going through the lake. Um, and as the wake is going through there, uh, you could see a long neck and head pop up out of the water and it's just trailing along. But the film footage is from like a trail cam Mm. from set way back, you know, but this thing popped up probably two feet out of the water. And it really bothers me that we don't have any close up shots of the Loch Ness monster of Nessie. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, if, if we could get a decent shot of, Lo- of the Loch Ness monster, I probably believe in it. Um, yeah. We have yet to get any real good footage with lake monsters. And I don't know why um, there's been so many reports of them. And so, but I mean, we have better footage of UFOs and, and, and Sasquatch than that. And, but I am a big believer in Sasquatch and I'll tell you why, even though I've never seen one, I used to live in Washington state and I had a friend of mine who was an avid hunter. And one day he was out hunting elk. I think it was. And he was up in his tree stand and he saw, he said, he said, suddenly the whole forest got really quiet, no birds or anything. And he saw this great big hairy thing come out of the thicket and come into the clearing where he was. And it looked directly at him and then turned around and calmly walked back into the thicket. 
And he said, I have no explanation for what this is other than a Bigfoot. He says, I know what a bear looks like. I know a bear can get up on its hind legs. It didn't walk like a bear on its hind legs. He says, and I, again, I know what a bear looks like. And this, this is a guy who's very down to earth. I mean, he wouldn't report a lie about Bigfoot, you know, at all. But, uh, but yeah, that's why I believe in Bigfoot, you know, I mean, and I've never seen evidence. I mean, I've never seen with my own eyes. I've never seen footprints or anything like that. Um, I've never heard anything out in the distance, but because of his story, I believe it. And I think, I think it's plausible too, that these things exist, you know, I mean, especially up here in, in the, uh, Northwestern United States and the Northeastern United States, there is so much unexplored territory there. I mean, it would have been, it would be very easy for tribes of these things to exist and we just wouldn't see them, but only on occasion. There's uh, people kind of subscribe to like a dimensional Bigfoot being like a dimensional being Mm -hmm. I've heard. And that's, you know, it can make itself invisible uh, and stuff like that. That's why you can't really see it almost predator. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I subscribe to that theory. I, I'm, I'm more of a flesh and blood uh, kind of believer. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it's, I, it's, I suppose it's entirely possible. Anything's possible, but uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I believe in that. What's your take on Bigfoot being something kind of like, um, you know? I remember back in the '90s there was this TV show uh, where it, it showed these werewolf brothers. Where were these brothers? But for whatever health reasons, it was like a, a defect, if you will. But they grew f- hair all over their face. Now, mm-hmm. me, and Ray, me and Ray often talk about like back in the day, like if they seen that, they would go, oh, that's a fucking, that's a d- demon. You know what I mean? That ain't natural. What's right. your idea of maybe something like that being sent off into the woods and just not really dying? but like almost starting up its own little society. So unfortunately what we know as Bigfoot isn't this big thing. It's more of just this almost furry human like thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think I remember that, uh, that one boy, I think he was in Mexico had this affliction and so did his sister, as I recall. Um, and, but it's it's not a very common affliction, but it does happen. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 I'm not, I, I don't think that uh, these people that have this affliction could be misidentified as a, as a Sasquatch. I really don't. Um, so, yeah, no, not really. Because I know we did an episode where we were talking about some sightings of Sasquatch and they weren't as big as you'd think they were. You know what I mean? Like they weren't eight feet, nine feet tall. They were like the size of a big human. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why that idea kind of came up. I think we we're going back and forth with that. And what if it was just some, unfortunately there was a weird skin disease or skin thing that it grew fur and they would look at it and be like, well, that's not normal. So that has to be this thing that can't even be human, you know, because we know how terrible people are with situations like that. And they would outcast it and, probably demonize the whole family the parents it'd be it'd be darkness you know what i mean mm-hmm. but, yeah in fact we were talking about that on that show last night on, on black lotus about how they look different 
depending on the region that they're in. You know, I mean, in the Northwest, they're large, reportedly seven to eight feet tall and with dark brown fur. Now, over in the Northeast, they tend to be a little smaller and they're tan in color. And then you've got the ones in like the Southeast, like in Louisiana and uh, Alabama and that such. And they're reported to be kind of short actually. And they have orange fur. So I think it's like anything else, you know, I mean, I, th- I think although there's part of the same species, they are different, you know, from each other. And I think it has a lot to do with the region that they're living. In. I mean, I look at, look at Yeti, for instance, in the Himalayas, you know, it's reportedly all white. Well, it's because there's tons of snow around there and they use it probably as camouflage, but uh, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. And to go back to the Loch Ness thing, I mean, that's almost, that's not that it don't, you can kind of wrap your head around that because it's just kind of an alien, not an alien, I'm losing my mind. It's just kind of like a dinosaur, so to speak, that would have survived throughout time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And realistically, if we're talking about the comet killing the dinosaurs, if it was underwater, it would probably be pretty safe from anything like that. You know what I mean? I would think so. Uh, We were actually talking about the Megalodon as well and whether or not it could possibly exist. And I'm of the opinion that it probably could exist. You know, the ocean's a deep place and 90% of it is barren, you know, no fish. I mean, most of the fish um, are near the coastlines, you know? Um, So I think that a Megalodon, because there have been sightings of Megalodons and I, I think it could possibly exist, but it would be very rare. And it would, the thing is, is that see, like the blue whale is the largest uh, mammal in the ocean that we know of, yeah. but the Megalodon is even bigger and the blue whale eats plankton and that kind of thing. You know, a, a Megalodon would eat other fish and as well as other whales. And I don't know if there would be enough fish in the sea for it, basically. Right. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it could exist, but probably not likely. That is a good point. For a big fish, it would have to have a big meal. It can't just eat a bunch of, you know, the equivalent of goldfish for us, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Killing it off, but... Yeah, it's an interesting take because, uh, you know, the ocean, we only know so much that's there. And, uh, you know, deep, deep down, I mean, it was that things would go lower and adapt to being able to live in colder waters to be able to get away from whatever was going mm-hmm. on up here, you know what I mean, to hide themselves away. And that's part yeah. of survival is hiding, you know what I mean, half the time. Right. And, and you know, you look at places like the Mariana Trench, which is, yeah. they say, the deepest part of the ocean and people have been down there and they say there's really nothing down there. You know, it's just this big crevasse on the ocean, you know, but a lot of these Megalodon sightings have happened up near around Alaska of all places. So who knows where they hang out? Like a cold. Yeah. Yeah. The Megalodon, do you watch, you see the, the movie Meg? Yeah. I liked the movie Meg and I, I, the, the how they how they got it out of how it became to us that way didn't seem that far fetched, you know. Sure. For, you know what I mean? Uh, makes sense almost in a way, weird way. Ray, yeah. you've never seen Meg, right? Yeah, I saw it. Ah, there you go. I, I'm a sucker for big shark movies, so I can't. 
You know what I mean? I can't, I can't be held accountable. I'm the same way. I, my favorite movie in the world is Jaws. Classic. Jaws one. <laughs> you know, it's funny. They, they, they try to say that that's not a horror movie, but I think more people have been scared by Jaws than any other movie ever made. Traumatized when I was a kid. Oh my God. I, I don't go in water over my head to this day because, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, a, a bigger, you got jaws. You don't want to deal with no big old jaws. Even the small jaws is a struggle. But I mean, you take into you know cro- alligators, crocodiles. That's all dinosaur-like. You know the reptilians uh, creatures, man. They're all like dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. So it's not that far. And the Loch Ness thing. Now Loch Ness is in a uh, a lake, right? It's not really right. an ocean, right? She can't really right. get to it an is, ocean. That's what Loch means. It means lake. Yeah. Um, yeah, but this is a huge, huge lake. Yeah, you know, so I mean, it, it could exist in there. I think you know, I mean, there are caves under it, and so it could possibly dwell in the caves and just come up on, on occasion. I think that there, if it is there, there's certainly more than one. You know, they're breeding. Um, but yeah, I think, and and the problem is, is that Locke is so murky uh, with peat, and so it's hard to get good photography there. And even when they do the sonar, the peat screws it up. Mm. So, yeah, but I I think if it's there, it's living in a large family community and it's, um, it's probably living in uh, the system of caves that's underneath it. Um, And they've also had reports that it doesn't just stay in the water. It comes out of the, onto the shore and, uh, but, you know, again, I wish somebody would be able to get a good photo of this, at least a decent photo, you know. I mean, like I said, we have better photos of Sasquatch than we do of uh, the Loch Ness Monster or Champ or any of these uh, supposed like monsters. You think that they're aware enough to rail it to stay away from photography? Or do you think it's just kind of fate? Um. I think that they're aware as much as I think that uh, Sasquatch are aware um, about humans and what humans are like. And and they probably just want to stay away from us as much as possible. I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Yep. Staying away from us. That shows intelligence. (laughs) It sure does. Now in in the top of the show, you brought up uh, 1988. uh, You were abducted. Right. We want right. to dip, dip into that a little bit? Yeah, it's kind of a story. Um, yeah, I love stories. Uh, so let's go, let's flash forward to 1995 because that's when I remember the incident. And yeah. um, I, I was not a believer in UFOs. I believed that extraterrestrial life exists, uh, but I thought, you know, they're not coming here. I don't think that they would have much interest in us. And so that was just my belief my whole life. And to my knowledge at the time, I had never seen a UFO. So I couldn't say one way or another. And the stories that I had heard, I was always on the fence about it. I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Well, so I was at home uh, with my girlfriend and a friend of ours. And this friend of ours, um, wholly believed in extraterrestrial visitation. And he had with him that night a companion book to that old TV series, The X-Files. And so I'm kind of flipping through it, you know, and he's trying to convince me these things are real. 
And in it, there was a still of Fox Mulder pointing up into the sky at a triangle that had lights on each tip. And, but it was small. It was, I'd say about the size of a school bus. And I immediately blacked out and I was out for like five minutes. And I, when I came to, they were freaking out going, are you okay? And I pointed at the picture and I said, that's it, but it's not it. The thing I saw was about the size of a football field. Mm. And so, but during that five minutes, I recalled almost everything that had happened to me in 1988. So let me, I just wanted to preface that with that. Um, so in 1988, uh, I was living in Southern California and I was homeless, but I had a car. And so I had a roof over my head. And there were certain places I would go in order to sleep at night. And I would go to like uh, uh, freeway rest stops and that kind of thing. And there was one, and, and the reason I did that is because cops aren't likely to mess around with you. You know, yeah. I mean, because people do that, they go, they're on long road trips and they stop there to sleep. And so that's what I would do. And there was one in Southern California, uh, uh, near Ontario, California. And I was on my way there on the I-10 freeway. And it wasn't uh, uh, unheard of for them to shut down the freeway at night uh, in order to do construction. And so that's what I was coming up against. There was a big sign said freeway shut down, blah, 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 take detour. So I knew in order to get to that rest stop, I would have to get off on Haven Avenue um, in Ontario and then go north into Altaloma and take another road called Highland Boulevard. And it would take me, the loop would take me uh, probably about three miles out of my way. But I thought, well, what else am I doing? You know, <laughs> so, so I get off on, on, on Haven Avenue and I travel all the way into Altaloma and uh, I turn right onto Highland Boulevard. Now, Highland Boulevard at the time was nothing but grape fields. You know, a lot of vineyards in that area. Um, I don't even know if the place, the, the road even exists anymore because they built it up so much. And the last time I was there was in 2012, I think, or 2013. And uh, they had built it up. I mean, big neighborhood communities. So, but at the time it was nothing but grape fields. So it was very dark. There's, there were no lights, you know, no street lights or anything like that. And as I'm going along on Highland Boulevard, I see this light out in the distance and it's kind of pulsing. And I thought, well, what the hell is that? That's not a plane. I don't know what it is, but as I'm going further, it's getting larger, you know, it's coming into view. And then suddenly right next to my driver's side window, about six feet from it, there was a ball of light. And I want to say it was probably about the size of a basketball or a volleyball, that kind of thing. But it had this light that was pulsing inside of it, almost in tune with the light that was in front of me down the road. And But the light was like coming from inside. It wasn't like a bright light. It was just this pulsing, glowing white light. Mm-hmm. 
And so I'm trying, I'm trying to look at this. I'm trying to look at the other thing in the distance. And like I said, it's dark out. The, the only lights out there were my, were these things and my headlights. And <laughs> so I'm surprised I wasn't in an accident because I'm like concentrating on both of these things at the same time. So as I'm going along, suddenly this, this ball of light that's next to me sped off toward the other light and it went just light speed, you know, gone. And it seemed to join with the other thing because I didn't see it again. Um, but anyway, I, so I remember it was a nice May evening um, and I had my sunroof open in my little Hyundai GLS that I had. <laughs> and so as I'm going along, this thing is getting, I, I'll get to why I mentioned that later, but um as I'm going along, like I said, this getting this thing is getting bigger and bigger, and I'm starting to see a structure to it. And I see that it's the it's got these lights on it, uh, one at each tip, a bright white light. And in the middle, there was like a, a red light. And I kept my eyes on this thing, and I could see that the thing was just monstrously huge. And I I couldn't wrap my head around. The fact that there was, it was just floating there. I mean, there was, there was no structure holding it up. And as I got closer, I saw what it was, uh, completely. And it was, like I said, the, it was a triangle about the size of a football field, matte black, completely black. If it didn't have lights in the sky, you wouldn't even see it or you know, on the ship. You wouldn't even see it against the, uh, night sky. Um, and so as I get closer to it, I was about a quarter mile away from it and my car cut out, totally done, gone. And so, but I didn't even realize it because I was so concentrated on this ship. And anyway, as I finally came to a stop, I got up in my seat and out through my sunroof to get a better look at this thing. And there were squiggly uh, lights underneath it around the other lights, around the red light and all that. And they were multicolored and they were just snaking around on the underbelly of this thing. And I would say the thing was about the size of maybe a two-story building, about that height. Um, so as I'm kind of like on my knees in the front seat up through the uh, uh, sunroof, I felt a hand on the back of my shoulder and it startled me. And I turned around and there was a guy there and he was dressed kind of like how we depict men in black. I mean, he didn't have the dark fedora hat on and no sunglasses or anything like that, but he was in, he was in like a uh, 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 dark suit with a uh, white shirt and black tie. And he had a, a patch on his arm and it almost looked like a sickle. It was three sickles, you know, harvest stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know who this guy was, but obviously he was somebody in authority. And he says, I'm going to need you to sit down. Yes, sir. 
whatever you want. So I did. I sat down and he motioned for me to roll down my window. And so I did. I rolled down my window and he says, what are you doing here? I said, you know, and I was trying to explain my situation. I'm homeless. I'm trying to get to a rest stop. The freeway was shut down. And uh, I said, I, I don't know what you're doing here, but I don't want to know. And you can guarantee that I'm not going to say anything to anybody. He's like, well, yeah, well, it's too late for that. You're already here and you've already seen this. And I'm like, what is it I'm seeing? And he didn't want to explain, you know, he says, I'm going to need you to step out of the car. Just like you'd hear a cop say that, you know, but he obviously he wasn't a cop. And so I did, I, okay, look, I really don't need this tonight. I'm really tired. I just want to get some sleep. Can I just go? And he's like, I'm sorry, no. And just as he was saying that, this creature came out from behind him and it was a gray, as we would depict an alien, a, a gray alien. He was about, it was probably about, I don't know, three feet tall, maybe, maybe a little bit more. Um, big bulbous head, you know, the big almond eyes, black eyes. And I remember seeing, I remember being kind of mesmerized because when the thing looked at me, the reflections from those lights that were squiggling, snaking around on the underbelly of the ship were, excuse me, reflecting in his black eyes. And I was just kind of mesmerized. And people ask me often, um, were you afraid? Because that's something that would terrify me. And I'm like, no, I wasn't afraid at all. I was more uh, interested than anything else. And, you know, and so, but the thing looked at the guy and it was almost like they were uh, uh, communicating telepathically. And then the guy looks at me and he says, they want to take you aboard. And I'm like, aboard that? No, I don't want to do that. And the creature came out and touched my hand. And immediately, any sense of of, of, uh, apprehension that I had went out the door. And we just started walking into the grave field underneath this ship. And the next thing I know, I'm on an operating table. And my clothes are off and... I, I don't know how, how we got on to, onto the ship or anything like that. Um, are you there? I'm here. Oh, okay, there we go. Sorry, it's my computer screwing up as usual. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I'm on this operating table, and there are many of these beings there, and they're hovering around. There, there were two other people that I could see and I I couldn't move at all, but I could move my eyeballs. So I could see there was a guy who was kind of obese uh, to my right on his own operating table. And he was screaming bloody murder. And these things were around him at the time. And I couldn't see what they were doing, but he was just screaming. And then to my left, there was a little girl who seemed to be like maybe 11 years old. And the weird thing about that is that I was on her podcast recently and we discovered together that she and I were on that same abduction. 
And it was very strange. And I talked to somebody else about it and they were like, that's not uncommon. Adductees will often run into their fellow abductees, you know, later on in life. Connected, yeah. um, but she didn't remember any of this until she started talking to me about my experience. And she says she suddenly started having flashbacks. And that's the way this happens when you have these memories. They're, they're triggered by something. You know, I mean, you may not remember it for years and years and years, but something will be bound to trigger it. And then you'll get all these flashbacks. And since then, she's messaged me a lot. And she says, I can't help but to think of all this stuff and, you know, and, and, and how much it has traumatized her. But anyway, so as I'm laying on the slab, uh, they finally finished with the guy to my right and he came over to me or they did rather. And there was one, and I don't know why I felt this, but because they all looked alike, but this one felt, I felt like a feminine presence from her. And as they gathered around me, she put her hand on my forehead and I immediately blacked out. That's what I remembered at the time in 1995. And the next thing I knew I was up, fully dressed and walking around with her, uh, the alien. And she was kind of showing me around the place. And she showed me into this one room that I'd like to call the nursery because it had uh, humans that looked like aliens. I mean, like human hybrids. And they were floating in these vats of green liquid. And they, these, these vats were like tube shaped. And, uh, but, and then she, took one of them and it was a baby and put him, put it in my arms. And I'm, I was very confused. I was like, what do you want me to do with this? You know? And because it was dead. And so I really didn't understand. And, you know, I mean, she communicated with me telepathically, but she didn't answer my question to that. So I handed it back to her. And then she took me into another room where there was, um, have you ever seen those, 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 uh, boards that look like they're plexiglass and you write on them, that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, there was one of these and it was quite large and it had lights on it. And in one portion, um, I saw this, uh, uh, one cluster of lights and she pointed at it and she indicated that that's where they were from. Hmm. And I didn't recognize it, you know, but um, then in another section, there was another set of lights with names under it. And it almost looked like a family tree. And so it had, I remember it had my uncle, my uncle's name, my mother's name. And then directly under that, it was my name. And then below that were two names that I didn't recognize at the time. You know, it was 1988. Um, it turns out that those were the names turned out to be the names of my two children, my son and daughter. Um, but then we moved away from there. And I remember looking out the side window of this thing and I could see my car below where we left it. And that was the last thing I remembered at the time in 1995. The next thing I knew I was back in my car and I was at the top of Haven Avenue, nowhere near where this had taken place. And I didn't remember any of it. 
I just kind of thought, why am I here? This is really weird. Um, so, yeah, for the longest time, I didn't remember any of this until 1995, and that's when I remembered it. Now, about two years ago, uh, Ralph and my wife and I were home, and we were watching a movie called The Fourth Kind. Mm. And you remember how I was telling you that certain things will trigger the memories. Yeah. Now, like I said, I didn't remember anything that happened to me on that uh, uh, slab or operating table, whatever it was. But we were watching this movie, and this movie is about abductees in Alaska. And one of the abductees was describing her experience, and they were showing the, the scene from it. And she was on the operating table, and there was a great big, like, drill thing uh, going toward her eye. And immediately triggered another memory. It tr- triggered the memory of everything that had happened to me on that operating table. And prior to this, I had always thought, well, you know, it's just kind of an interesting experience that I went through. You know, they didn't seem evil to me. And, but since that happened, uh, since I got that memory back, I, I've been traumatized. I have PTSD. I wake up screaming in the middle of the night with these memories, you know, and I would say, thank God for my wife. She's a saint, you know, because she is always there and she's calming me down. I mean, I'll wake up in cold sweats, just screaming. And yeah, so because it wasn't anything nice. I mean, it was awful. I mean, and I've, I think I've come to terms with it because the, the, the grays seemed very emotionless, you know, and, and, oh, also they were, it seemed like they were controlled because toward my feet, there was a catwalk that I could see, uh, across this operating room and there was a large uh wider looking gray and when i say large it was probably about eight feet tall very spindly you know and but it seemed to be in control of the whole situation um but what was i getting at um so yeah and i mean it was just I, i i think that the reason I've come to terms with it somewhat is because I think about the way our scientists uh, work on lab rats. I mean, we, we know they feel, you know, but we don't take it into consideration really, you know, because we're busy with our science experiments. And so, and I don't think we really care. And I think that that's the way they are, you know, they look at us as lab rats. So um, it doesn't mean that the lab rat doesn't fear and it doesn't mean that it doesn't feel, but they just don't care. So I've just come to terms with it like that. But uh, yeah, so that was my experience. And um, since then I've seen many other, well, I, I don't, I don't want to call them UFOs because but they are UFOs. They're unidentified. I, um, for instance, we live in Las Vegas and we live right between McCarran airport and Las Vegas airport. So we were, we're on, on either side of us. There's a, a flight pass. There's helicopters going over us all the time. People are out here in the desert use drones all the time. Mm-hmm. So we know what these things look like, but Ralph and my wife and I have all seen things we just can't explain. We had one 
come right over the house. Um, and it was cylindrical and it, it was silver and it was glinting off the sun. It was like twilight. And I've heard of these things before, but you know, I'd, I'd never seen one of these. Um, but this one was different a little bit. It had this black orb that was, uh, uh, encompassing it. It was, it was going around its uh, circumference and it just slowly went over our heads. Now people always say, well, how come we can never get any good shots of UFOs? You know, and when we do, it's probably CGI. Ralph and my wife and I all had, well, my wife had her camera and Ralph had his tablet. And I ran inside the house and grabbed my video camera, my actual handheld video camera. Not one of us could get that thing in frame. We could see it with our naked eye, but we could not get it in frame. So why that is, I don't know. I mean, it would, do they have a cloaking device when they know they're being filmed? I, I don't know. But I, I just know that we couldn't get this thing in frame. And this thing went over our house. And it. I want to say from the time we spotted it until the time it finally disappeared in distance, we were looking at probably 10 minutes. I mean, it was going that slow. And so, uh, but again, none of us could get it in frame. But yeah. there are a lot of weird things in the Nevada skies, though. i got to tell you that. Oh, for sure. People always say they want to see a UFO. I'm like, come out to Vegas and hang out for a while. Yeah. <laughs> look up. You know? It's true. Now, that, that Men in Black type character, do you think that that was a, a human that was in cahoots? Do you think that might have been like, a, like, a, like an alien that kind of took the, the presence of something comfortable you wouldn't be worried about and that it showed itself? I think it was a human. I'm, I'm of the firm belief that the government is working with these things, most definitely. And I think that they're, I hesitate to call them men in black, but I, I, I think there's a special unit that is assigned to work with them, you know? So you think I think that's a, what it was. You think there's a mutual respect or you think one's using the other as far as government and alien life? I think that they're both using each other. Uh, you know, I mean, I think we're using them for technology. They're using us for experiments. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's theorized that Eisenhower, I think it was Eisenhower, uh, signed an agreement with them way back when, um, Mm. that they, that they could take us in exchange for technology. And if you look at the way our technology has developed since then, as opposed to how slow it was going prior to that, uh, it's a little hard to dismiss. Yeah. You so, know, when you took, you took the peace came over you type deal. <laughs> where do, where, do you, I know I've, I've heard certain people say that they think that God is an alien. What's your take on that, that element of the, of like a godlike entity in an alien entity being one and the same? Well, I'm of the firm belief in the whole ancient alien theory uh, that, uh, they were here at one time and they worked with uh, 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 the people in uh, Mesopotamia. And these things were called the Anunnaki. Mm. And people viewed them as gods. And I believe that these Anunnaki helped develop us uh, through our, through our uh, evolution. And the reason they did it was 
for us to be slaves to them, you know, to mine gold and that sort of thing. Yeah. I think eventually the people caught on to what they were doing and they no longer thought of them as gods. However, that was really the birthplace of all religion. And so what I think, if I think aliens are gods, yeah, I don't know. I believe the aliens, I I believe there are many species that visit us and I don't think the Anunnaki are around, but if you would call an alien God, then it would probably be the Anunnaki. Yeah. The, uh, I heard something about the Anunnaki. Uh, I think I did at least where they said something about going into the light, like you almost don't want to go into the light. Have you ever heard anything about that? Uh, no, not really. Cause it goes into that slavery thing where like, if you go into the light, you restart the slavery, but if you don't, you get the transcend type deal. Oh, that, that goes along. I think, I think I know what you're talking about. I think they call it, uh, uh, prison earth or something like that. Yeah. And so that we reincarnate, but only here, Yeah. even though there's the opportunity to reincarnate elsewhere in the universe, we only reincarnate here. If we go into that light, I, I think I have, heard about that yeah you're yeah you got that now the, the with the, you said when you were in the nursery she it handed you a, a baby that wasn't alive right 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 do you, and do, again i had no idea why i wonder if that goes they just don't understand but you'd think something that smart wouldn't know the difference you know maybe in their in their existence if something dies they might have the ability to bring it back and maybe it's a test to see if we can bring it back or something you know what i mean it kind of makes me wonder um, about the whole alien hybrid uh, program. Um, I was recently talking to a uh, 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 hypnotherapist who works with uh, alien abductees as well as past life regression and that kind of thing. Um, and she's, she mentioned, cause I told her my story about being abducted and she says, you know, that wasn't your first time. And I'm like, well, it's the only time I remember. And as she was talking about this, I suddenly had this flash memory, just a brief memory of my mother and I, when I was about 10 years old and we were walking past a cow pasture and I thought about the memory. I thought, well, that's weird because my mother was a businesswoman. She would be nowhere near a cow pasture. But I remember looking out over the pasture and seeing this big silver disc in the sky. And I asked my mom, I said, mom, what is that? And she says, never mind. And she grabbed my hand and we quickly walked away. And that's the only thing I remember about the thing. And I kind of wonder, you know, uh, if that's where we were just dropped off after we were both, both taken. And so it made me start thinking about the dead baby alien. And I wonder if she was showing me this because this is probably maybe a product from me you know, and it just didn't make it. And that's what she was trying to tell me. And I, but aside from that, I had no idea why she did that. Hmm. It's interesting. Ray, you got a take on that? Uh, no, I, I've been listening. I have no idea. Yeah. It's it, it, the way you said that you said that they kind of didn't really have emotion. You know, they were kind of a little cold, um, you know, it is very scientific. Like they're just science, you know, that, that, that mouse in a cage type deal. Now, do you, 
I know nobody really knows the answer to it, but do you have any speculatory ideas of what you think they might be trying to research for? I don't. Um, I, I mean, I, I could speculate. Um, I th- it could be that, you know, like I said, the Anunnaki helps in our evolution. And I yeah. wonder if that's what they're trying to do now is they're trying to help us evolve even further. Um, I'm of the belief that human beings will never be able to accept alien races coming to uh, earth. And I don't think that the alien races would make themselves known to us the way we are, the way we squabble with each other. It's kind of like what we were saying about Sasquatch. They know better than to uh, mess with humans. They don't want to, I mean, they see what we're like. I mean, if, if aliens came down out of the sky suddenly and made their appearance, I can guarantee you there's a bunch of old boys in the South that are going to be armed up with their shotguns and shooting at them, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, and I don't think that they're going to uh, reveal themselves until we have a mass consciousness shift Mm. where we can accept that idea that there are, there, there are alien species that are on earth, you know, or coming to earth or if there is, they never left. I don't know, but uh, yeah. Yeah. now, the, the fact that you, did, you didn't recall anything until 90, 1995, do you think that's something within the human mind that blocks that out? Or do you think they did something to make you not be I, able to? I think they did something. Yeah. And it takes something traumatizing, like I said, to trigger that memory to come back suddenly. But I, th- I think they do. They, they, I'm not the only one. Uh, there are a lot of people out there who have experienced similar things, and they didn't remember um for the longest time and i think it's they they take away that memory and once they feel maybe that you're able to accept the memory again that's when you're likely to remember yeah um so when when you brought up the fourth kind i remember there's a part in that movie where they uh equate owls faces to alien faces right in in windows Mm -hmm. or something like that and I thought that was that was my favorite take from that movie was that the, the owl vibe because it was like they do they do have that weird alien type face to them and the owl of course is symbolic for you know being able to see in the dark it's like Illuminati type thing you know what I mean? Um, it's very common. Yeah, exactly. I didn't see owls after mine. Uh, when I woke up at the top of Haven Avenue, I do remember looking up my passenger side window and there was a, 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 like a doe deer that was yeah. looking at me directly. And when I stirred, it immediately darted off, you know, but no, I never saw an owl though. When you were talking about that orb next to your car, I couldn't help but think that there might be some way of the, an abduction would be in, like getting those, getting whatever they wanted to go with them in between those lights. And then whatever, you know, they almost couldn't escape it in a way, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or it was easy to kind of, take power of them um the thing you said about how you felt that they were kind of controlled by another uh like alien life down that was very interesting too you said they were bulkier like your typical gray was what maybe four feet tall five feet tall yeah yeah three well the ones i encounter were three or four feet tall now those do you think those bigger ones would have been those the Anunnaki type things? I don't know, and I hate to speculate on that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, however, I will say that I've talked to a lot of 
alien experiencers. And the most common alien that's reported is the gray, the small gray. Um, but it seems that they are being controlled by other alien species. And, and so it's not just one species that's using these grays. It's, it's a lot of different species that are doing the same thing. So. Yeah. Ray, do you have any questions about the abduction stuff? Uh, no, uh, none at all. I just want to drop one more thing about, about yeah. my experience and me telling my story. Um, there are a lot of people out there trying to debunk people like me. And I just want to let those people know I'm not making money off of this. This is something that I experienced. You know, I, I used to be in the closet about this. I had only told maybe two or three people about this uh, for years and years and years and years. And now, you know, and the other thing too, is I was in a profession where I was the boss, you know, and I had employees that, I couldn't have looking at me like I was crazy. So even though I thought I was crazy for the longest time. And, but anyway, I just want those people out there, the debunkers to know I'm not making money off of this. I'm not writing a book. You know, I'm just out here telling my story to let other people know that they're not alone. If they've gone through something like this, they are certainly not alone. Um, and they're not crazy. And there are millions of us out there that have experienced this. And I believe there are some out there who, like me, had it happen to them, and they just don't realize it yet. So I just wanted to drop that in there. Uh, because, I mean, I've, I've faced, a, you know, since <laughs> I came out about this uh, on our YouTube channel, Black Lotus, um, for the first time worldwide. And I felt like this was huge boulder was lifted off my shoulders, you know? I mean, and, and I liken it to a gay person coming out of the closet. It was very freeing. Um, but again, you're not crazy and you're certainly not alone. I think the naysayers are jealous because they really want something to happen and it doesn't happen for them. They want like an occurrence, you know what I mean? To be able to get close to it because they wouldn't, if they didn't believe in it to a degree, why would they spend so much of their time going after it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and yeah, we, we appreciate you telling the story and we believe you. This is right up our alley. We're all with this stuff. We ask questions, but we we're, we're all in it. You know what I mean? We love yeah. questions. The, um, but yeah, I think uh, we're running a little late this evening, but I think we got like a good hour in. I think this is good stuff. Yeah, I think. Um, I think yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Um, well, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate Damien, it. Damien, thank, you for, having, uh, thank oh. you for having us on, and thank you for coming on and telling your story, man. This was a lot of fun. You, you want to tell people where they can catch all the Black Lotus stuff, the YouTube page and the Facebooks and all that? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we have, we have two things. Uh, we've, got, we've got the YouTube uh, panel discussion, and it's called uh, – you can find out by going youtube.com slash Black Lotus Productions. And all one word. And uh, there, every Sunday, we do a live panel discussion with other people that are into the paranormal. Yeah. Um, and then 
and starting this week, we're going to be doing it on Thursday nights too. And you, you can find us at, uh, uh, 8 PM Eastern time, seven central and, uh, uh, five Pacific. Um, but, uh, we also have a podcast that we do that's kind of different. Um, and it's just Ralph and I, and, uh, it's called the paranormal news network and you can find us at Podbean. And, uh, there, what we do is we interview people that are authors and pitching their books and that kind of thing, you know? And so, uh, but it's all dealing with the paranormal in some sense, some sense or another. Um, so that's YouTube and then there's our podcast. And then, uh, we also have a group over Facebook. And one of the things I noticed at Facebook is that there are a lot of groups that deal with the paranormal and UFOs and that kind of thing. And it's filled with trolls, you know, just a bunch of idiots. And I, I don't know why they're there other than to troll because they never offer anything that's, uh, uh, positive. Um, we're not like that, but we have, uh, and it's called the Black Lotus Discussion Group. And I mean, we, we, it's heavily monitored by Ralph and myself, and we don't allow that kind of stuff to happen at all. Is if we see it once, the person's gone. Yeah. And so, um, so definitely if you're into this kind of stuff, check us out because we talk about all things paranormal under the big paranormal umbrella. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah. And, uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. We'll have, we'll have you back on with Ralph to talk about the new show. And I uh, definitely, everybody go out and check the show. We were on there like a month ago. So back, it's a great show. You always get a handful of people on there. Really smart. Know what they're talking about. Great discussion. We can't re- recommend the show enough. You know what I mean? It's really good stuff. So yeah, thank you. Uh, Hey, anytime, anytime. So, with that being said, we thank you again for being on the show. Thank you. Hey, right. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And, you know what I mean? Get out there and check out Damian Gray. Check out Black Lotus Productions, Black Lotus Live. Get the YouTube page, the Facebook page, all types of stuff. And, and I'm not, we're not whistling Dixie because he's a guest. It's actually a great show. Uh, all the shows that I've seen that he's done is really great. So definitely get out there and support him. You know what I mean? And we'll have him back on the show again. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Thank you, sir. Uh, if y'all episode, check out more and go check out some of Damien's shows and, uh, we'll catch all y'all on the next episode of mostly ghostly. (laughs) 